Welcome to The Advance, a podcast on moving towards Christ-like maturity. This podcast takes time to look at how we can posture ourselves to grow in our walk with Christ. It would really help me out if you could share it with your friends and take some time to review it on whatever platform you are either viewing it or hearing it on. Thank you so much and be blessed today. Invite my friends and I into uh, your walk with Jesus to allow us to speak into and help you grow in how you understand what it means to be his followers in the midst of um, what has turned out to be a truly unprecedented and uh, truly um, difficult season to navigate for us as his followers. Uh, Welcome to the sanctuary of McKernan Baptist Church. Uh, We're here today because today we're talking about worship and we're talking specifically about participation in worship. Uh, We're going to be, I had an amazing conversation with my friend Stephanie Fair, who's a worship pastor at a church called Greenfield Community Church here in Edmonton. And she just has such a heart to see people not just coming to, to church and receiving and kind of consuming what's going on, but coming to church to participate, to uh, deeply engage not only their hearts, but also engage physically, uh, engage their minds, however God may be inviting them to. Um, But obviously we're in a season where that's not possible uh, as far as gathering in the same room. As you can see, those of you that are watching this on on Facebook Live, um, you can see that our sanctuary is not really set up for a gathering right now. It's set up more like a studio uh, with our cameras and with our computers and all of these things. And the reality is that we are in what truly is a a season where we need to to think deeply about what it means to worship together um, because we can't do so in the same room. And one of the things that we talk about quite a bit in our interview is how do we actually foster participation in how we interact with our church's live streams and how we interact with our church's uh, corporate times of worship that we can't gather together. Uh, How do we, whether we're worshiping by ourselves or worshiping with our cohort families, truly express our worship to God in a meaningful and in a significant way? Uh, One of the things that I typically do on my podcast is give recommendations, but this week I specifically do not want to give a recommendation. And my reason for that is because uh, I I really want to recommend you to engage deeply with whatever your local church is doing. Uh, as you'll hear a bit in our conversation, we live with like the Netflix of churches right now. You could literally join in with a church in England. You could join in with a church in Portland. Uh, and you could essentially become a congregant for that church in this season. Um, but what I want to encourage you to do is really reflect on what your church is doing. What are some of the Bible studies that they're offering? What are some of the uh, ways of connecting, prayer meetings? Um, how are they doing their Sunday morning services? And plug in with that, engage with that. Take the time to actually um, take the time to actually participate in whatever it is your church is doing. Uh, and uh, that's what I want to recommend you to do today. Um, I, like I said, there's lots of different options, but I know that your pastor is thinking specifically about you. He's thinking about the people he or she is are thinking specifically about the people that are usually in these pews. Um, and so we're, we're we as pastors are trying to contextualize what we're doing. And so my encouragement is to, to check out what your church is doing and engage deeply with it in this season. Um, so my hope and prayer for, for this conversation today is that you'll be given a lot of different tools and different ways to think about how to foster a life of worship. 
uh, even in the midst of not being able to gather in, uh, in, a, in a room all together as congregants, we can still foster and we can still participate as worshipers of Jesus. And so again, here's my conversation with Stephanie. I'm really looking forward to uh, you hearing it and learning from it and putting into practice some of the things that we chat about today. Bless you. <clears throat> hey, Steph, how's it going? Good, how are you, Donovan? Doing all right, doing all right. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to uh, to share about what's on your heart a bit with us today. I'm really looking forward to what you have to say. Um, yeah, before we hop into our conversation, just love to get to know you a little bit. Um, yeah, a little bit about who you are, what you do, and um, what you're passionate about. Uh, so I'm Stephanie Fair, and I am Pastor of Worship Arts and Discipleship at Greenfield Community Church. And I've been there for six, seven years now. <laughs> Time flies and you're having fun. Um, and it's been such a joy. It, I love Greenfield. I love that community. I love my role. It's such a good um, combination of my passions and interests and skills, I think. And so it's been a really good fit. Um, my primary focus is on worship, which is a huge passion for me. I've been leading worship since I was 16. Um, and involved in worship before that. And so it's something I, I'm super passionate about and I love um, the ministry that we've kind of set up at, at Greenfield and how we engage in worship, it's been really good. And then some of the other things I do is work with like our groups and I run Alpha and I, I preach often and that's another passion of mine. And I love, I love the opportunity I have at Greenfield to preach and to do that yeah, probably after our senior pastor, I'm the next heard pastoral preaching voice there. So that's been really good. Um, yeah, I'm a mom. I have two kids who are four and one and a half. And I have a husband who's awesome. Scott, he's also involved in worship at Greenfield and he's a carpenter. So we like to joke like together, we are like Jesus. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> um, yeah, and music has been a huge passion of mine since I was a kid. Mm. Um, I've been taking, I took piano lessons like all growing up and was always singing. I came from a very musical and ministry-minded family. So both those things were just kind of easy fit. I was kind of like discipled in that from the womb, <laughs> so to speak. So yeah, and I'm, what are some of the things, sometimes it's hard to remember, pre-pandemic, what was I super passionate about? <laughs> alone time uh time with people <laughs> at the same i'm passionate about both those things um you in the same room with somebody yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh it's cool it's one of the uh the points where our stories intersect um we, we kind of we've known each other for a long time but one of the yeah. other one of the things that we share in common is being um involved in worship since we were both teenagers totally uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so what I'm just curious before we go on, what would you say, um, like how was it something you felt like it was your choice, like you were passionate about this and or was it something where somebody saw a gift in you and they were like, let I want to pull it out. Like, how did that how did that start for you as a worship as a worship leader or just as someone yeah. who like to participate and share your gifts that way? Well, I mean, my brother and I both took very different um, journeys in our spiritual life and our participation in the church. So I don't think that it was something that was like laid out before us that we had to do because um, we kind of approached 
our relationships with God and our um, participation in the church differently. So clearly it wasn't just like a one size fits all in our family at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely, I mean, I was a pastor's kid who was always at church with my family and I came out of that experience really passionate about church. Like I definitely saw the difficult side of being in ministry and some of the like, you know, behind the scenes, I, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like how the sausage is made, it's not pretty sometimes and it can be really <laughs> difficult for pastors, families. Um, so I definitely had some of those experiences, but uh, I still came out of my childhood and into, you know, adolescence loving the church and like really passionate about mm-hmm. um, what we do when we gather and how important community is and how formative it was for me growing up and continues to be in my life. Um, and so I... I pursued music wholeheartedly just because I loved it. I wanted to be like my mom. I remember the first time I took piano lessons and I like came home from my first lesson and I flung myself on the bed in tears because I wasn't as good as my mom. And my mom was like, this is going to take some time. Like you got to give yourself more than one lesson, five-year-old. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that was a funny experience, but um, yeah. And I, I, you know, I was um, this kind of dates, like ages me a little bit, but I used to run at Zion Baptist when my dad was the pastor there. I used to run the projector and like the like overhead project. Like I would like move the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The like (laughs) plastic sheets of like I would move it and I would be like so good at it. I was like, Oh, and they get the next one in and you never miss the beat. And like, that was, that was like my first um, volunteer position in the church. (laughs) Um, So you gotta, you know, I have a real heart for those who run the projection. (laughs) It's a hard job. It's a hard job. Um, Yeah. So that was, and then I asked to join um, at that time, our church had like a choir. So I asked to join that when I was in junior high, like the Sunday morning choir. And there was not a lot of young people in it. Um, but I just saw it as like an opportunity to sing and participate and probably at that time to get on stage, like to be really honest, um, it was something I had to kind of wrestle with as a kid. And that's something that's, you know, been something I, I think we all navigate. I know Donovan, you and I have talked about this before, like, um, the performance aspect of music and then like the participation in worship and the wholeheartedness that you want for worship. Um, it's something that you wrestle with a lot as a musician, um, yeah, so that was my exposure to it as a young age, and then I joined the worship team pretty soon after that. And I, it's just always been such an easy fit. And I think also, um, I did have like quite early on like leadership skills. At, the, at that time, it probably would have been like I was bossy, <laughs> but um, <laughs> bossiness was discipled and formed and beat into leadership skills. And um, it was a very easy way to kind of um, start using those leadership skills in the church. Um, at a very young age, like you don't see a lot of 16 year olds, like teaching Sunday school class or something like that, but to be able to, also sometimes you do, but, um, to be able to lead a a worship team and to kind of, um, learn how to work as a team and to, um, to lead that team well and to lead musicians and to lead spiritually. And, uh, that was something that was hugely formative for me as a leader. And I was kind of thrown into the deep end of it a little bit. Um, but it was, it was, I think, successful for me. Not always the route everyone should take is being thrown in the deep end. But um, yeah, so that was my experience with mm-hmm. leadership and worship. And yeah, yeah, you and I do have such a similar like journey yeah. with that. It's so interesting. Totally. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's uh, mm-hmm. cool how in some ways it's, 
yeah, I think there's the combination of the spiritual heritage and then the natural giftings that, you know, um, it kind of postured you for, for the position that you're in today. Yeah. Really, um, and yeah, I really value your voice and I value um, what you bring to the table in regards to worship. And so that's part of the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I think obviously we're, we're like, I think yesterday we were in our staff meeting and, um, one of our pastors has been in self-isolation for 49 days now. So we are very much in the, in the grind of this. It's no longer this new reality. Like we're a couple months into it already. Um, and I'm just curious, Steph, what do you feel that God is up to in the midst of this pandemic? Um, first off in the culture and the church, and then secondly, in, in your own life, what have you felt that he's up to? Sure. I feel like the answering it for my own life is easiest <laughs> because um, it is my experience and I can just tell you that outright. So I think the thing, I'll start with that one actually. Sorry, Donna. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, I think for me, the thing I'm learning about, and it has been a consistent message through my entire life, is um, just letting go and letting God lead. <laughs> I am, I like to be in control. I like to be in control of my life. I like to be in control of the world around me. And uh, it has been a constant journey for me and something that I have, you know, I've done really well at learning at different points. And sometimes it's been more a painful learning that God is in control and I'm not. And I think for this pandemic, I've just been realizing like all the things that I've kind of set up around me to do my job well, to be a good mom, to um, to be a good wife, like these kind of systems that I, I've been in place, the community that helps me, all of this, that's all, it's all not available. And so um, I really only have God to con to lean on um, more than anything. And that's been a huge theme in my spiritual life from a very young age is just letting God be in control and submitting myself to him daily and relying on his presence daily and letting the Holy Spirit fill me as opposed to trying to fill myself with the strength I need, it's just not going to happen. So that's been, I think, what I've been learning. Um, when I think about the church and like culture and what are we learning as really the whole world as we're all experiencing this together, I think one of the beautiful things is the fact that we're all in this together, like that there are often um, things that affect uh, one country and we kind of like look over from our spot in safe Canada and are like, Oh, that's so hard. You're going, you know, but this is something we're all going through. And I think if anything, it helps us, I think it should help us to, um, to love and care for one another and like maybe lessen some of the divides that we see from um, richer, richer or poorer or countries that have more and have less and and kind of the like arrogance that we have in North America where we think we're not affected by some of these things we see around the world um, we're all affected by this so I think that that's to me it's this kind of beautiful equalizing like I feel like such a strong message I see in scripture and how Jesus works is that and I mean it's prophesied about in in Isaiah is that uh, Jesus is about um, raising up those in the valley and bringing down those on the mountaintop. And I feel like um, these kinds of situations like a pandemic where we're all kind of on this lane, this level playing field a bit more. Um, now, I do not want to minimize how some people are definitely affected more again. And again, this is a situation as all where if you are uh, poor or if you are more marginalized, you're experiencing it worse. But I think at least it gives us more compassion and understanding as we're all experiencing it together. I'm a really bad Calvinist. Like, I'm not a very good 
I'm a Baptist, but I'm like a really bad Calvinist. So I, I just don't, I don't subscribe to this idea that like God is causing this pandemic um, to draw us to him. What I think is that we're in a fallen world where God is at work and through, through suffering and through grief, God uh, makes his presence known to us. He is, he he mourns with us. He is as burdened and experiencing this with us. Like I, I love, I mean, we see that in the, in just who Jesus is that he humbled himself and he came to earth, but throughout scripture, we see this posture that God has of humility and of like coming down to our level and, and being with us and loving us through those kinds of pain and suffering. Um, it was interesting. We run a, a zoom prayer meeting at, at Greenfield uh, every Wednesday I run that and yesterday I just picked a psalm I was like just I usually like to start with a psalm and then we go into some prayers of worship and I picked Psalm 113 and I didn't I didn't really think much about it and then God always takes the times I don't think much and does great things <laughs> um, he uh, there's this one verse in it uh, in that psalm where it talks about how God stoops down to see us and I just thought it was so beautiful this idea that like right now he is stooping down and he is close to us. And I think that um, what I hope that people are learning is that God's presence is with us, that he is as grieved as we are when people are suffering and affected by this. And he has stooped down and is in, in it with us. Um, so that's just kind of my perspective of it, which is a little less Calvinist. And you might get feedback about that, but that's fine. <laughs> I'll probably get feedback from people that are in agreement with you more than not so okay. <laughs> i have a feeling <laughs> i'm also a bad calvinist i'll admit it <laughs> yeah um so yeah i know when we initially uh when i was initially emailing you about the podcast and hopping on it um kind of the the heart of this podcast uh, and the reason why i started it was to give people tools to engage in their walk with god and um and, and really posture themselves to grow and thrive in this season, not just kind of get by, not just kind of, you know, like put your head down and just persevere until we can all get together again. But, but actually like, how can we grow and posture ourselves to advance, to move forward in our walk with God in this season? And, um, and one of the uh, kind of underlying assumptions of this podcast is, is to get away from the idea of consumerism in, in how we interact with God and with one another as followers of Jesus. And, um, and I know, so when I emailed you about this, you emailed me back and you're like, oh man, this is so much on my heart. I've been thinking so much about this. And so as I was thinking about like a title for our, our talk today, I think one of the things that came to my mind was like um, creating a, a heart of participation in worship, um, yeah. kind of the opposite of consumerism. Uh, and so before we get into like really practical um stuff as we talk about worship i'd love to talk a little bit about um kind of consumerism and worship and how and how the in a culture where we're constantly consuming and constantly taking things in uh and constantly we can actually like think we're accomplishing a lot without even leaving our chairs uh <clears throat> and and kind of how that forms us in in an in a bad way and, and then how worship forms us in a positive way. So first off, I'd love to talk about the kind of the contrast between a consumeristic approach to worship and a participatory approach to worship. Yeah. Um, so why don't you, uh, I, I'd love to hear, I saw your email, I'm like glimmers. I'm like, man, you've been thinking about this. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I feel like the pandemic kind of 
as I mentioned for my own life, like these things that I kind of set up for myself to help me navigate, like being a good pastor, being a good mom, being a good wife, like everything is kind of um, stripped down. And mm. the same thing for like worship and yeah. these values that we have at Greenfield. And I, I know are very similar values at McKernan, like um, values like being participatory. So what can we do to enable space and opportunity for people to participate in worship? Um, I don't want people to walk in, kind of turn their brains off watch something happen and then leave. That's not what we want. We want heartfelt um, and and thoughtful participation in what we're doing. So singing is one of the better ways of getting people to participate because you uh, are all singing these songs together. There's this beautiful picture of, you know, we're not unified in any other thing except Jesus Christ. And we're singing truths about who God is together as we participate in these songs. And, and even just like how music is so good at helping us learn and remember. And that's why we like teach things to children in song, like the ABCs and stuff, because it helps you remember. Um, and so by singing about God's goodness, by singing, you know, even like passages of scripture out loud, it helps us remember. We participate uh, with our minds, with our hearts. Mm -hmm. And it's this beautiful thing that now is not happening <laughs> in the same way because we're all in our separate homes and um, small groupings of people. And it's just, it's hard to participate. Um, and I find like worship is one of those, like it's on every worship pastor's heart to foster participation. And it's our biggest fear, I think, to be fostering consumerism and to be fostering like, that we're just performing something, you guys sit back and watch, and that's not what we want. We want people to be praying and reading scripture and, um, yeah, and engaging in the community. And so I find it so hard in this season where people are in their own homes, um, there is this tendency to, like, kind of watch what's happening on the screen, because we do that all the time. We watch the news, we watch Netflix, we watch things that are happening on the screen, and we're not actively participating in that. And that is what's happening with our worship services at home. And we have to do it that way. Like, I'm not saying we shouldn't. This is the way it is right now. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that my biggest fear uh, for all of the people at Greenfield, and I, I think just for the church in general, is that we kind of lose that crucial aspect of discipleship and what it means to be um, participating in the community as a worshiper. Um, where I don't want us to lose that. And so it's also so, oh man, it's so interesting from Sunday to Sunday. I don't really think about like comparing what I do at Greenfield to what like you do at McKernan Donovan or what like other people do at other churches. Like, I don't really think about that. I think that you can enter that space as a pastor and kind of compare. I, instead, I, I like to think, you know, like sometimes you and I get together and talk about like, what are th some things that are working? Does this song work with your congregation? How have you done this? Like just more so for like help and to um, encourage yeah. each other and to see what's working and what's not, not to, not to be comparing to another church, like mm -hmm. in that negative sense. And mm -hmm. it is so easy right now to kind of click into a live stream of a service and be like, well, theirs is better. So, and I have like this entire world of options. Like I can like go into a sermon and, and like, or go to a worship time at a church in California or a church in England or a church in that's down the street from me, like all of these different options. And I don't, I mean, I know like Scott and I always have this, like when we were going through Netflix, like 
you can like kind of scroll forever until you finally decide what you want to watch. And I feel like that is a, uh, like it's a temptation right now on a Sunday morning. You can kind of scroll through mm-hmm. what is offered out there. And if you know, you're hanging out at your church's live stream and then, Oh, there's that worship leader. I don't really like very much. You can very easily be like, click and go to a different person's live stream and find the right, worship yeah, you like better. And it just, it, it's very, it's so tempting to kind of just disengage from our community and to engage in consumeristic practices. And I know for me, for the first bit, you know, we were talking about this too, about, you know, first little bit of COVID and and the pandemic and and we had to switch to online churches. Like at first I started to check out what are other churches doing and like, how are they navigating this? But it's so easy to then cross that line into being like, oh, they're doing this. So we have to do that. And we have to do it just as slick and just as good or like, we're going to lose our people. And if they, we lose our people, they're not going to be connected. And if they're not connected, they're not going to tithe and they're not. And it just like spirals in this like really unhealthy place for um, what we want for the community of believers, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that consumeristic and non-participatory practices are something that concerns me Mm -hmm. on a normal Sunday. And then they're just heightened to a huge degree in the current culture that we have. And so it's something that, you know, I I found myself a little disheartened sometimes when I like talk to other people who are like, like people who participate at Greenfield on a normal Sunday. And then, you know, they tell me like, they prefer so-and-so's live stream better. And as a worship leader, it's like, oh, like, <laughs> just like hurts your heart. And and it's because like you love so much these people and you love what you're doing with Greenfield and, or, or your church context and you want so badly for people to um, engage and participate together and, and then to have people just outwardly tell you like, but over here is better. And you're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> like it's slicker and it looks good, but <laughs> bear with us, you know? No, we don't, um, we don't have the LED screen behind us. Yeah. We, we just can't afford the LED screen. So what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's this line that we always walk with worship that is just, it's, I think it's a more difficult thing to navigate in the current context that we're in. Um, mm. Because these, like, we want to, we want to foster participation. We want to foster intergenerational participation. And that's also hard to have that really strong value of intergeneration um, participation when it's hard. Like, you don't want your seniors to come to church to record something because they shouldn't be doing that right now, right? So it's like, how do we still hear young and old voices as we um, engage in worship, like those are some things that are really on my mind right now. And how do we um, engage more people in our congregations than just the same couple leaders? Um, Because I think connection and our community connection is really important and it informs how we worship together. Yeah. So these are things I've been thinking about a lot and it's so, it's so on my heart because of that, that original value of like being participatory and not wanting to be fostering a discipleship based on consumerism. Yeah. Which is not what I'm interested in. I just want to go a little deeper with, uh, with this whole idea of like church Netflix. Um, Cause obviously even for yeah. us as pastors, it's like, I love checking out what Bridgetown church in Borland is doing. And like, yeah. I love being able to, to, to check them out and, and all this. Um, yeah. And, and as, as a young adults pastor, as well as a, a worship pastor, I feel like extra, almost like temptation to be really trendy because I'm like, oh, I know my young adults are checking out other, like they're, you know, like yeah. there's so much, so much flashier, so much better produced all this. Um, yeah. but why, like, why do you think it's important for, 
for a person who's committed to Greenfield or committed to McKernan to try to continue to check with their particular congregation? Like why, like, why yeah. is that important? Yeah, I think part of the reason it is so important is because when you are engaged with the community and you um, show up to Sunday mornings, you show up to, um, you know, your small group, you show up to these different times when you connect, when you, um, it's not, it's not, you're not just doing that because the, the pastor is a good preacher and the worship leader is good. Hopefully you're also doing it because of the, the relationships that you have with the people mm -hmm. who you are engaged in the church family with. And mm -hmm. I think, I love this picture, um, someone shared it at seminary once when I was there and it has stuck with me. Um, when I know the stories of the people in my community, when I know what their joys are, when I know what they're struggling with, and then we show up on a Sunday morning and, and we're singing the songs about, you know, God's goodness and God's faithfulness and, mm -hmm. and that he is our joy and he's our strength. And these truths, these like universal truths about who God is, when I can look over and I see, you know, um, a woman worshiping in our congregation who's just had their fifth miscarriage, and yet she is singing, God, you are good. God, you are faithful. Um, you are the same today and tomorrow. Like that informs my understanding. Like the, her, her faith and persistence in worship in the mm -hmm. face of that kind of trouble that I only know because I'm in community with her. She has shared her story. Um, and I'm able to love her. I am informed. My faith is made stronger. My worship experience is made all the richer because I can look over and see her participating and worshiping in that way. It's the same when I see, um, when I see like seniors in our church who are like, this isn't my song of choice. This isn't how I would necessarily choose to worship, but I am going to sing this, you know, song written in 2019 that I've never heard before because I know the young people in our church love it. And I look over and see that like choice to love and be intergenerational and to um, put preference aside for the sake of our community. My faith is made richer by seeing that stance of love and participation by someone else in my community. Um, there's like, we don't just get together because uh that's just our our the thing we do because we're christians like hopefully we get together because we're also engaged in loving one another and as we love and grow and um sorry as we grow in our love for one another it informs our love and understanding for god and mm -hmm. so you know when i see someone worshiping um who share their stories maybe i understand a little bit more of how god works in a way that my own experience hasn't seen yet and so I'm getting a fuller picture of who God is. Like, I, lo I love the idea that, you know, um, that person maybe has experienced how long God's love is. And that person has experienced how high God's love is. And as we hear each other's stories and worship together, we are together experiencing how long and high and wide and deep is the love of God. It, that's the picture I get as um, the community worships together. And it is, I'm not trying to say don't check out you know, the slicker worship services. And, and I, you know, I love, I love participating in different services as well, but don't, what I, what I would caution against is that being the only thing you do and missing this other picture of community and the, the way that our stories and experiences of the Lord inform together the community's richer worship experience yeah. of God. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think part of that whole idea of 
of checking out another church during this time, it is underneath that is that consumerism mentality. What can I get from this? How, and it's less, it's less about um, how can I stay connected with what God is doing in my local body? Like, cause I know as pastors, when we're thinking about even how we're, how we're structuring our services and the kind of things we're including in them now that we maybe weren't before the ways that we're praying, the the type, even what's being included in the sermons, like we're really trying to contextualize it for the people that we know. And yeah. I think um, even these, these flashy churches, they're doing it too for their own people. They do it that way. And so I think there's a reality of, of um, we can stay connected. Um, and, and again, it's not just about consuming a service, it's about uh, participating in what God's doing in your local body. And right now, yeah, that looks different, but mm-hmm. I think really, I think it really boils down to, to, to your heart and even how you view church and what, yeah. why you even participate in church. Right. Yeah, um, so what, um, like we can talk about this as pastors and like, it really is easy for us to kind of think this way, but for like average Joe person, I know, and it's tough. What am I, I was talking to another pastor friend about this and he was kind of lamenting very similar to you where it wasn't necessarily that people were checking out other churches, but it was that people were watching the service, but they just had it on in the background while they were eating breakfast or making eggs or watching the dishes. Like it was just kind of up there. Like, and, and, um, and it's interesting because that's kind of informed how they've done their, um, how they've started to do their live stream to try to like, like make it shorter and make it more, even more participatory so that you can't just kind of have it on in the background sort of thing if you want to yeah. engage with it. But so everyone's kind of responding differently. But my, uh, one of the things that I try to think about is how in every challenge um, there, there may be, God may have an opportunity for it. And so yeah. in the midst of this challenge of not being able to worship in the same space, what are some of the ways that we we can kind of get away from consumerism? Like, uh, what are some of the ways that we can like buck that trend? If, uh, if if that's one way of looking at it, what do you think about that? Well, I yeah, I think that I think that like first and foremost, all of us as pastors and people who are providing content and providing um, opportunities to connect, we have to really understand the bandwidth of our people right now, like. I think, you know, I think about my own family, like you, you and I are in a very similar stage of life where we like have young kids running around and like, I, oh. you know, we sit down to watch the the service at 10 a.m. on a Sunday because that's what we do. And um, they're like pretty engaged with the music. They like the kids feature. And then it's like chaos after that. And so... <laughs> Um, actually I preached a few weeks ago. I, we did the recording and I preached and my daughter is sitting beside me. She's four and she's watching it. And then she leans over to me and says, mommy, this is very boring. (laughs) And and I was like, Ooh, like if that doesn't take you down a few, um, I think, so I think being realistic about the stage of life that you're in and, um, what is like, what your family has capacity for is crucial. Like, I think that, you know, if my family can do a few minutes of like some focus, like we sing some songs together, hopefully something with actions at one point, because that will keep them more engaged. And we do the kids feature. And then Scott and I just have to watch the sermon together later or provide some space for us to, um, to worship later. I think that that we just have to be realistic. Like it's unreasonable to expect, um, 
my 18 month old to, to be able to sit through an entire sermon. It's just not going to happen. Like it's hard for most adults, much less, uh, someone that young. So I think like being realistic and, um, you know, offering connection points, offering opportunities for participation, offering opportunities for people to do things on their own time. And then kind of like, just encouraging that they do it and engage with it is the most that we can do. And I think more than ever, it's kind of showed us how much a person's individual um, like relationship with God is a lot of their own responsibility as well. Like, and I think we feel burdened as pastors, like we want to see people move toward Christ. And, but all we can do is be faithful with what we have and faithful um, with what we're offering and do that with excellence. And then, um, people have to respond on their own terms and the Holy spirit moves in their hearts. And we have nothing to do with that. Like that we have to release that. It's a part of the releasing control that I'm consistently learning. Um, so first of all, I think just like realizing like some of your people are going to be watching the sermon at eight o'clock at night. Cause that's when their kids are in bed. And some people are going to, um, you know, be worshiping at one o'clock in the afternoon when their kids are finally having a nap. Some people are going to worship more when their kids are finally doing their kids, their like homeschooling time, whatever it is. I think we need to just figure out what works um, and understand the bandwidth and the participation of our people. Um, yeah. I think, I think also uh, you can offer and, and let people decide if they want to participate, but remembering that um, probably adding the guilt trip of like, you need to do this is not going to help right now because people are like realizing how long this pandemic is going on for. Like, I think we hit, I, we were talking as a staff how like a few weeks ago, we kind of hit this point where like, people seemed good. Like people were like, here we go. We're going to stay home and we're going to do this. And like, they almost had this like, here, like, ha, like we're going to do it. And then now it's kind of this weary of like, I have nothing to look forward to with my summer. My summer plans are officially canceled. You know, there's just kind of this like settling in. And I, I see it as like the stages of grief really. And we're kind of on this, like maybe in the anger, maybe in maybe bordering acceptance kind of period. And, um, I think that we need to also recognize that maybe there's a season where they're going to not engage as much, but give them a few more weeks and then they're going to come back and be ready again. Like there's kind of this like back and forth happening and everyone's on a different trajectory with that. Um, so again, like we can only be faithful with what we offer, do that like wholeheartedly and thoughtfully and making space for the Holy Spirit and um, doing it with what we think is good for our congregation, but then just have to like, like serve it and, and yeah. guide and, and be there, but like not expect, I think we have to have low expectations mm -hmm. to kind of answer your question. I feel like I started talking and I forgot your question. <laughs> well, I think you're, you're bringing it from the angle of, of us as leaders. How do we approach what we, how we think about our services? Um, but I'm curious what, how do we, right. like, what are we looking like putting ourselves in the shoes of those, of those yeah. ones who really do want, they don't want to become more consumeristic through this. They want to participate in worship, but they're like, how the heck do I do this? Like, am I supposed to sing out loud in my living room by myself? Like, do I pull up an instrument and like strum along? Like, what do you think? Like, what are some of the ways that we can, 
like the ones that that yeah like i i totally get stage of life like my my i come home from our live stream and kirsten tells me about the chaos of streaming with our two-year-old and it's hilarious and fun and and at the same time it's just like well i'm amazed that it's amazing that she sat still for more than 30 seconds like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like it's totally i get it but like i'm i'm just what i'm hoping for is um yeah, how do we like putting ourselves in the shoes of those people that really do want to participate? Yeah. Really, that that like and even even in the midst of all of these hindrances that are very real, how do we how do how do we foster like participation in our worship services now? Um, yeah. Like think, what are the suggestions you'd have? <laughs> I think part I think what is helpful for me right now is like naming that it's awkward. Like I think that if we pretend it's not and pretend it's the same and it kind of just hovers about being awkward for a long time. Whereas I think like naming, naming the thing that is awkward, naming the thing that makes us a little fearful and uncomfortable, it kind of like, um, it lets, it deflates its power. Right. And I think, um, I think for Scott and I, we kind of did that with our kids. We were like, this is hard and this is a little awkward and we're just going to try to do the best we can. And I think just both of us acknowledging that out loud and kind of, Whew, it kind of released this pressure that we felt to like participate exactly like on a Sunday morning. Mm. Um, so I think for a lot of families, like I would encourage just like it, your family, if you're in a couple, if you're by yourself, like just kind of name it. Like, this is weird. This is not what I'm used to. This is not mm. what I would choose necessarily to do. So I'm going to name it and, and let out some of the power that that has. And then I'm going to choose to participate in the way that I can right now. Um, mm. I also think like, like, I know, <laughs> I, I really feel for the families where, like, the, there's, like, one person in the family that loves singing, and then the rest of the family, like, hates it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really feel for that person so much. I just want to, like, go over and sing with them. Um, because that is hard. Like, it's hard to kind of be the only one singing. And I know, I don't understand these people, but I know there's some people who don't like singing, and they don't, that's not their way that they would choose to worship. So I think for everyone, I think, like, mm -hmm the way we can love and honor the people in our, in our families, in our like little cohort groups, like however you're doing your service, um, try to like love them by participating in the way they need it too. I think that would also really help. Like, um, you know, kids just read, read the scripture passage your mom wants you to. She wants you to do it. It'll be fine. Like it only takes a few moments. Like I think just that's how we can love and care for each other is to try to like, to also try to engage and to do the things even if it kind of feels awkward and I, I swear the more you do it the less it's going to seem awkward and it's totally fine if you're from a family that you're all tone deaf it doesn't matter just like sing along and I think just just doing it even if it's not necessarily like the way you would always choose to do because there's some aspects of like the way we participate in a relationship with God that's going to be easier for you and then some parts that are going to be harder and I think that that doesn't mean we don't do it doesn't, it means like I still need to seek times of solitude, even though that makes me like cringe and slightly die inside being alone that much, but I still need to do it. Just like, I still think that, you know, if you're not, if you're like an introvert and the idea of like participating out loud kind of makes you cringe and die inside, like, I think you still try to do it. Like, um, and that's how you care for the people in your group as well. Um, it normalizes it more again, like deflates the power that that awkwardness or that fear can have. Yeah, one thing I would say. Yeah. yeah, 
I wonder too if there's like a level of creativity that we might need to to engage with where if it is like yeah if singing is not the way that you engage with God then maybe asking what is the way you engage with God and so it might be as simple as maybe especially for people with kids that are kind of a little bit younger maybe creativity or art would be a way they engage with God so during the service setting up a little canvas for them to you know make a mess on or setting up something for them to color like yeah. or even um if it's as simple as uh like if you're someone who engages more with your mind like having a bible along and even like pausing when he when this pastor references a, a text and pulling it out and reading it a little more in depth like yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think a little outside the box as far as like you know and or maybe if you're someone who really engages with god in outdoors and you're more in isolation like you might yeah you might participate with the service more by downloading it to your phone and just going on a walk and listening to it while you walk in nature. Right. Like, again, you might lose that like sense of like, we're, we're obviously having to learn how to do togetherness differently, but you'll still be connected to your local body and you'll still be able to participate instead of just consuming it. I think it's, and again, I don't want to, I don't, the last thing I want to do is like throw a guilt trip on for people that are like having a hard time participating. What I'm trying to do is like spark some imagination. Like, how can I participate? Like, this is hard. Like, yeah. you know, cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but like, I know for me, it's easy for me to just turn on worship music and like get totally like dialed in. Like, yeah, I, I participate immediately as soon as I hear a song that, you know, resonates yeah. in my heart or something. Like I'll be like going through my day and a random worship song will come on and I'll be like, whoa, connection. Like, and I know, but yeah. that's not normal. And so, no. uh, it's, it's just, yeah, how there may be ways that, and it may be as simple as like, for those of you listening, like, um, just, yeah, writing down ways that you really feel you've connected with God and just like brainstorming, are there any of these ways that you can kind of incorporate into your your time when you engage with your church's worship service uh, yeah and it's uh and yeah feel free let's I, I almost feel like if there's any more ideas that just pop into your mind um because i've got a few more yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well and i was thinking like in our church i feel like we have a lot of like very cerebral people people who yeah. are very um they worship with their mind more than anything like and i know like pastor tyler offers extra reading on some of the topics oh, cool. sometimes and like now's the time to, to dive into those. Like if you, especially if you're someone who has the bandwidth for that and some, um, some extra time on your hands, like maybe it's time to get that like book on the gospel of John and actually give it a read. Um, in the same, uh, I, I also like engaging with like other liturgy that is available out there. Cause there's like, we can pray and stuff, but sometimes people don't know what to pray. And yeah. I know that as Baptists, we have this like weird aversion to written down prayers, but there's some beautiful ones out there. Like there's so many great, um, like websites. And I know like the Calvin Institute has a lot of like good mm -hmm. prayers and liturgy that you can follow. That is maybe a little bit more like on scripture reading and reading prayers and like saying those kinds of things out loud. Like maybe if singing isn't your thing, that's the way to go. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's beautiful too. We, we offer like on our, our church website, we have like the, the YouTube video where you can just kind of like watch the whole essential live stream though. We don't live stream. We put it together to make it look like it is. So mm -hmm. side note, but then we also have like the parts broken out um, on the rest of the website. So like you can read the call to worship yourself. You can, um, there's a, like a bunch of intercessory prayer requests. You can do that prayer yourself. You can um, read the benediction yourself if you don't want it to like kind of be said to you. Um, and I think that's a, another way, like saying things out loud, um, even if it's just you in your house, but like different things that engage your mind in a slightly different way. It can be really helpful. Um, yeah. yeah. 
another one that came to my mind is um, if you're during that in that place of worship, I think you're really like, oh, you can open yourself up to, to hearing from God. And so I wonder if there's some sometimes in worship where God might just randomly put somebody in your head, like we yeah. might be singing a song like great is thy faithfulness or something that all of a sudden like you might you're you're like you might start thinking about your grandparents or you might start thinking about that friend that you know is going through something difficult and and i believe that the holy spirit speaks to us that way and so maybe one way to participate is as we like during the worship service if somebody comes to your mind just like either pressing pause and like giving them a call or contacting them or even Mm -hmm. writing the name down and then after the service like write down what you're feeling or sensing for them Mm -hmm. um or if you're if, if you feel too weird about that, just praying for them, like in that moment. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's another way you can participate. Any other, any other um, ideas? Like journaling too, like that's yeah. another, if something comes up and you need to like kind of work it out with God more or, or some imagination sparks and you need to like write stuff down. I mean, pause, the pause button is your friend now. <laughs> like you can't pause what happens on Sunday morning, but you can right now and journal it out and, totally. um, yeah, that's another great, yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, I, I want still people to realize, like, some of these things that we do on Sunday mornings are not because ra- randomly Greenfield decided to do them. Like, we didn't just yeah. randomly decide to sing and randomly decide to, like, give of our tithes and offerings and, mm-hmm. and randomly decide to have, like, prayers and call to worship. and th- Like, these are things that are, like, have been part of how people have corporately worshiped together for, uh, for generations. And so I think that there is still, still something to be said about participating in those while also engaging other ways that are personal to you. And, um, yeah, cause I think, I think it's both. Like, I don't, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose some of the, like the, the ancient trends and like the ways that well, we have been the yeah. same throughout. We, we did, past Sunday at Greenfield, we read the Apostles' Creed together. I thought that was like a beautiful way of like, again, like engaging your mind and your, and your heart in kind of a different, a different way. And, and Tyler encouraged people to read it out loud, but you know, even if you did it in your heart and you're again, like just engaging that different part of you, um, that maybe we don't, you, we do that sometimes at, at Greenfield, actually, uh, Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer, these kind of like practices that come up again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's so hard because it's like, this is not any of our choice. Like, this is not what we want to do, but we also don't want to, like, stop. You don't want to stop discipleship or stop, like, your relationship with God just because you're going through a hard time. But I think also, like, we do have to rem- remember our bandwidth. Like, I think now is a good time to lean into lament a bit. Like, maybe turn to those psalms that make us uncomfortable as Canadians because they're kind of angry and, and really ranty and, like, <laughs> turn to them. Like, now is the time to read you know, some of the parts where we're, where people in scripture are struggling and calling out to God. Like, um, I think lament is, is another like worship practice that we don't do very well in evangelical Christianity. And if ever there was a time to lament, it's now as people are sad and scared and lonely, um, lament is your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think too, is like, as people who provide content, like, don't feel like we have to be like happy clappy all the time. Like I think it's okay to also like, sometimes it helps like you you're in a funk and you sing a song that's happy and you're like, okay, that helps me get out of it. But sometimes when you're in a funk and then you read a song, like you sing a song that's happy. You're like, this is, this tastes like, it's like sawdust in my mouth. I can't even get through it. Um, You know? So I think, yeah, I think we also need to like provide opportunity to grieve and opportunity to lament and, and I, that's what I loved. Like Good Friday was actually like really powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
during this pandemic, probably more than it has been at other points in my life, just because I feel more in the like Good Friday space than in like a happy Easter Sunday space. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was kind of nice to engage in that service and that practice of like, of, of grief and like entering in the, the suffering of Christ um, and inviting God's presence in that space. You know, I thought that was really meaningful for me this year. Mm, wow. Yeah. It's so, there's so many different elements going on and, and so much of, um, and so much of what God's inviting us into, I think is going to be contextual, right? Like how, yeah. what, is, what is your reality right now and being, being real with that. Um, but we have a few more minutes left and one of the, a, a few of the things that I think we wanted to talk about, we've already kind of touched on, but, um, one of the things that, that I'm really passionate about is, is fostering a life of worship, mm-hmm. uh, that the, the Sunday morning expression or gathering is a reflection of the rest of your life of worship, that it's not just a, um, it's not just a, uh, you know, you kind of worship is reserved for Sunday morning. And Karis and I talked a lot about that on my, my podcast with her about the reality of like worship as, as everyday life growing in, in intimacy with Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that, or sorry, not, but, but also um, the, the expression of worship that we do when we gather together on a Sunday morning is extremely important in forming us for that life of worship through the rest of the week too. Like you can't, you can't really, it's the, you need both of them. And, and right now, obviously it looks different, but uh, I'm sure there will be a day where we will all be able to get together in the same room again and sing. We may not be able to gather in large groups for, for a while, but I'm sure even, even smaller expressions will probably be maybe even not that long away. But the reality is um, I think part of, participation and not wanting to be a consumer is um, comes from a proper understanding of why is it important for me to participate and Mm -hmm. so when we think about the spiritual discipline of worshiping together um, Mm -hmm. actually gathering together on a Sunday morning um, and like why is that important like why why does it matter how we worship together on a Sunday morning Um, like you said not everyone's a singer not everyone is even like you know, some people engage with God on their motorcycle and they'll be like, oh, I love God's presence more there than here. Um, but why do you think it's important for us to, to gather together? And obviously we're looking differently now, but mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think part of it is kind of what I mentioned before about like, as I know people's stories and I hear, mm-hmm. I hear and get to know them. And then um, my understanding of God is formed in community that way. Like, I think it's important to, to gather together because, um, we are formed for community. We're not made to be alone. Um, like the Trinity gives us that picture of community and, and love. And we, we shouldn't be in isolation. Like that's not how we were made. Um, I'm not trying to to buck what's happening at all. Like I am, I am fully on board with whatever they recommend. I'm following, I'm a rule follower. I'll follow those rules. I may rage against them a bit, but I'll follow them. Um, <laughs> but no, I think like, I, I think that we are formed for community and for connection. Um, and I also think like there are some people who are gifted teachers, some people who are gifted worship leaders, some people who are gifted at like forming and giving prayers that are so spirit-filled and and heartfelt and and some people are anointed to do those things and i want to learn at their feet like i want to learn from a preacher who is who god has gifted 
to communicate the word of God. And I can do a lot on my own and I should, and we all should, you know, make sure that we are um, looking at scripture outside of Sunday morning and we're praying outside of Sunday morning and we're um, worshiping in whatever way resonates with us outside of Sunday morning. But I also think like coming to people that God has gifted and and anointed to do those things is also really important. Um, Mm -hmm. If there's a reason like your dad is the pastor and he preaches like, He's good at it and God has gifted him to do that. And I, we know we want to learn at his feet. And like, so I think that that's, um, that's part of it too. Is like, as people use their gifted giftingness for the building up of the body mm-hmm. as you know, that's why we have those spiritual gifts is to build up the body. And I, I think that it's important to remember that that's what's being happened. That's what's happening on Sunday morning too, is um, one of the ways that the body is being built up is through good teaching, through good shepherding, through good um, worship leading and, and the like. That's Mm -hmm. one thing that really is, has stuck out to me too. And again, why it's so important to the local church, because that pastor knows your context and knows you better than the church in a, in a totally different context than you. Mm -hmm. Um, Though you can also learn from that gifted teacher as well. both and um Mm -hmm. yeah so that's one thing that's been i've been thinking about a lot like appreciating the different giftings that people have and and ways that that is building up the body of christ especially now like i still i need to be led in worship by other people like i i I mean that's a gifting of mine but it's a gifting of others that i need them to do that so then i am being led in worship as well um Mm -hmm. yeah does that resonate with you absolutely yeah and i and i wonder too like how much I think part of what I'm grieving in this season is we're able to um, like one of my big fears is that we would, when we all are able to start gathering again, that we've kind of gotten used to just like being served, if that makes sense. And one of the things that, one of the other reasons I think that it's so important that we, we gather together is because we all bring something. You know, like we all, we're not just coming to receive, we're coming to, to give and participate. And, um, and, and like you said, there may be, um, there's people that are very gifted. Um, there's also, and then there's people that are, they have very sincere hearts and they just want to serve somewhere and, and, yeah. and gathering together that, and that's where those gifts are fostered. And, and that's yeah. where those gifts can grow. You know, like I've worked with some musicians that shouldn't have been on a stage and now they're like some of my best worship leaders, like, you know, and so you, you see like, it's, it's where we're all able to come together as the body. And, and I think the scriptures paint this amazing picture of like the unity, um, that is also diverse, right? Like we're all, we're all gifted differently and we all have different passions and desires and where else are you see people of every generation and every, you know, like a good, a good section of different um, cultures and a good section of different people, like people from, you know, on a Sunday morning in McCurden, we have people from Nigeria, we have people from Brazil, we have people from China, you know, like where else do you see them all gathered together unified to say like, we want to bring, you know, who we are, what we believe together, and we're going to unify around one name. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so I think that's another reason why it's so important is totally. just because, like, you don't see that anywhere else. Like, that's, and it's such a biblical picture. And I think that's what, that's that's the promise of Revelation 21, right? Like, every knee shall bow. Like, you see the the great, the, the sea of people, you know, every tribe, every tongue, every mm-hmm. nation together right and so i think it's like a small picture here and now of that and so yeah. that's just another 
another reality that we all have something to bring and offer. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just one more question for you and it's what I've been asking everyone that I've been talking to. Um, but what's one thing you'd encourage everyone listening to do in response to our conversation today? Uh, so super practical was one thing that as you've been thinking about our talk. <laughs> just one, I'm so bad at just giving one thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> in light of our current conversation, I, I think really is, is whatever bandwidth that you have and whatever, you know, context that you find yourself in um, and in a very non-pressure kind of way, I think it's important to, to find out how you can participate still mm. and, and to not let yourself completely off the hook, um, even though we're all dealing with difficulties and it's, and some are in a really difficult season, um, just to find a way, even like one way you can still engage and participate in what your church is, is doing. Um, it's, I think, we're, especially now as we're kind of past the crisis point and we're more in like, this is a little bit of our new normal, unfortunately. Um, like, how can you engage and participate in at least one thing? <laughs> Yeah. And, and maybe challenge yourself in that participation. Like if you're, if you're someone who kind of leans more toward head or leans more toward um, singing, like try to find a different way that you can still engage and participate. So mm. I think that that's, I think that will help us to guard against being consumers and um, you know, to some of these things that we've been talking about in this conversation. I think my sub point would also be like, maybe don't tell your worship pastor that you're, like checking out everyone else's live streams and they all do it better. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Maybe like shoot them an encouraging, like, I, I don't know if it's, if uh, like you've preached in this like new reality too, where it's kind of weird to do that. And you know, like you're matching the people are there and it's nice to have that immediate feedback. Like they're like nods or like, Mm -hmm. like and you have nothing you've got none of that um so maybe like shoot your pastors and leaders like some encouraging messages that you hear them that you're with them and so that would be my like, little sub point uh speaking uh, yeah. of someone who likes words of affirmation that would help me a lot too do you hear uh, that do you hear that no yeah i don't know about you but there's the there's this meme that's going across my facebook page with like how i'll how i will worship when we're able to get back together and it's like people just dancing like crazy i'm like i i my my wife was like yeah that'll be me no and then she was like no i'll probably just cry the entire time i won't even be able to, <laughs> I won't even be yeah. able to dance yeah. like that yeah. yeah it'll be it'll be fun but yeah, so thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been such a, yeah, it's just, I love the way you think and the way that God's been really shaping you as a leader and the way that you've been, um, I think you have a really amazing voice. Um, not only your singing voice, but kind of what you share and what you speak. Uh, and so thank you so much. And I'm sure the people that listen today that really decide to put this into practice will, yeah, just really see, see themselves grow as worshipers in this season. Cause I think we can, I think, yeah. and I think we should like, we should be growing in a season like this. Um, it's pretty, uh, I know it's definitely different and challenging, but that's usually where some of the most growth happens. And so let's uh, commit to that together. Yeah, so good. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. Oh, thanks, Steph. Talk to you later. I hope that you were really blessed by the conversation that Stephanie and I had. I know that I was. I was very encouraged. And at the same time, I hope that some of the pressure's off, that some of us that might be feeling a lot of guilt or a burden, that that pressure would just be lifted off. 
and we would be able to say right now in this season with these limitations, God, may you just invite me and show me what is pleasing worship to you. What are you inviting me into in this season, God? And let's put that into practice and let's grow as worshiping people because when we gather together again, I, I just believe it's gonna be such an amazing expression because we've been fostering this way of worship through the rest of our lives. Um, and so yeah, let's commit to being people that participate in worship, uh, whether we're in the same room or whether we're just in our living rooms by ourselves. Let us participate and not just consume. Bless you all, friends.